Candidates, uh, Republican as well as Democratic candidates. Hey, it's it's they chose we'll the not to show. Well, yeah, so, what we're going to do is we're going to get the knowledge from the people who care enough to show. Nevada you know, Bustan. and that's what we're going to do. Um, okay. We have gotcha. the way this is going to be set up. Um, we're going to have the candidates introduce themselves, and they'll be able to have 15 minutes to explain who, what, when, where, and how, okay, or whatever other information that they want to give, whether they're talking about policies, whether, whether they're talking about uh, their viewpoints and what they feel is important to them. These are questions that we want to know. So hopefully they'll give us that information. If there is information that they haven't given us after they finish their spiel, then we'll have the opportunity to add, also ask them our own questions, okay, because I believe that that would be relevant as well. Okay, so without further ado, my name is Cheryl Pritchard. I am the Northeast Ohio Regional Ambassador for the Musketeer Association. The Musketeer Association was founded in Cincinnati, Ohio. I did a town hall during All-Star Weekend because I felt that uh, it was so many people were going to be in town why waste that good opportunity to actually let people see who we really are and for people to come in and have a discussion about what we can do for the community, by the community. So that's why I held the town hall. In doing that town hall, I met Sister Rakaia. She came up from Cincinnati and we clicked and her projects and programs were just so on point. There are projects that we need here in, in Cleveland, in the greater Cleveland area. And so I wanted to work towards getting those things done, um, bringing those projects to the city, um, which would, those projects, they include anything that is socially conscious or relevant to the community. I felt that this forum was socially relevant to the community, so that's why it's happening today, okay? Um, again, without further ado, now I'd like to take time to let the candidates introduce themselves, and then we'll start with Mr. Marsh, I'm, I'm sorry, Mr. Usher can start. You all can have a seat here. Who am I missing? Okay, well, we're missing a few, but this is what we have, and this is what we're going to start with. We have a um, write-in uh, U.S. Senator coming in. She's on her way from Columbus, so, and you know, we got to give her her time because she didn't even make the trip. How you doing today? Good. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you. But um, she did. She did put forth the effort to come from Columbus. Well, we've got a lot of candidates that are right here in the city right now here today because they had a lot of big events for different parties yesterday, today, and so you would think that this would be a good opportunity for them to come out and and you know and let the community know that they care. You know, outside of the big money ticket. You know, the little people are the ones that get people in office, and so that's why we're sitting here. All right. 
All right, Miss. Okay, are you guys introduce yourselves? Uh, sure. So uh, just do your spiel. Uh, do you want me to go through the the whole spiel, Cheryl? I would. I, you know, that's something we probably should just go ahead one at a time. Perfect. And okay, you go right ahead. So if you don't mind, I'm not going to stand up. I don't speak while sitting down. So uh, first off, I echo what Cheryl said. Thanks for coming out. Uh, you know, we also believe that this is very important to come out and speak to the community. So uh, just have members of the community coming in and, and wanting to get engaged. Uh, I think that's fantastic. So thank you for coming out. Uh, we very much appreciate that. So my name is Marshall Usher. Uh, I am a Christian, a patriot, uh, a husband, a father, a coach, and a write-in candidate for government. Uh, so one of the first questions I get whenever people find out I'm challenging Mike DeWine and Dan Whaley as a write-in is why in the world would you throw your hat in the ring into this madness of Ohio State politics, especially with only a couple weeks or a couple months uh, to go before the, the general election. And I think to understand that, you need to understand a little bit about where I'm from and, and how I grew up. See, I was raised by a single mom who also was a former Marine. So to say that you're know, growing up and uh, with the rules and say you know, stand up for what you believe in uh, would be quite an understanding. One of my earliest memories has really four years old, maybe, maybe kindergarten, and I uh, had, had a run-in with the neighborhood bully, got punched in the face, I came, came home crying and told my mom what happened, and she looked me in the eye and said, well, what did you do about it? What do you mean what did I do about it? I came and told her what I think I did about it. And she looked and she's like, you get your butt back out there and you punch it back. So I summoned up all my courage and I walked back out there and punched her in the face back, and we ended up becoming best friends uh, for years after that. But it taught me a very important lesson is that you know, there is a way pandemic um, was worse than bullying. I mean, it was it was flat out tyranny. I mean, we saw them you know, shutting down small businesses and keeping big boxes open. We saw them shutting down restaurants and playing favorite with their corporate partners. Um, you know, they were shutting down churches and keeping abortion clinics open. And you know, once you have have seen the the evil and the mismanagement and the corruption. You've got two choices. You can either do something about it, or you can keep your mouth shut and, and continue to let it happen and, and, and be part of the problem. And again, growing up with that upbringing, you know, just sitting back and taking it isn't part of my DNA. So during the primary, I volunteered for one of the other gubernatorial candidates, uh, toured around the state with him. Uh, he was unsuccessful. And after that, you know, I think like a lot of conservatives, our backup plan was Neil Peterson. And when Neil failed to make it on the ballot, um, you know, we were left, I, quite frankly, I wasn't going to vote for Governor. Um, I can't support Dan Whaley. I wasn't going to reward Mike DeWine for the behavior that we saw. And I was going to leave it blank. So I, you know, anyone that knows me knows that keeping my mouth shut is a, you know, it's, it's not part of who I am. So I went around to a lot of other people with a lot more money, a lot more name recognition, and tried to talk them into running. And for very valid reasons, they all said they couldn't or wouldn't. And at some point, you look around the room, and you're the last one with your finger in your nose saying, not in. And I have been blessed with the opportunity to do this. So my day job, uh, I'm in, in critical logistics sales. So we sell or we move everything from hearts and lungs for transplants to radio pharmaceuticals that have a half-life measured in hours. Um, so but having a sales job gives me the flexibility to go out campaign and, and come out and talk to folks like you. Um, you know, I've never wanted to get into politics, but like a lot of us, um, I was done. You know, I, they had crossed my red line, 
and you either stand up and do something about it, or you don't. So here we are. Um, so what would you get if you, you know, if we can catch lightning in a bottle and you elect Marshall Usher for your governor? Um, one thing I like to say is Ohio will probably look a lot like Florida with, with snow. Um, you know, we look at you know, the beauty of this is I don't have to have all of the best ideas. You know, we've got a lot of conservative leaders across this country that we can look to for you know, for, for roadmaps in, in their playbook. The DeSantis, Ron DeSantis, literally called it the DeSantis playbook. So, like any good team, you know, you can't just adopt someone else's playbook and expect to be able to write it verbatim. So, we have adopted what makes sense for Ohio. What doesn't make sense, we have adapted so that that it does make sense and it fits our situation. But what you can expect and what you will see is that common theme running through both plans of restoring the freedoms that we've seen eroding, making sure that our streets are safe, making sure that our kids are taught what or how to think, not what to think. So whenever we start getting into the plan specifically, there are there are 10 key pillars. And the first three, the first one I love is it's we're, we're gonna protect our kids from the and prepare them from the wound of the workforce. So one thing that you can expect if you elect Marshall Usher and Shannon Walker is we will end abortion for convenience in the state of Ohio. It will be done. Um, the other thing is removing a lot of the, the CRT, social emotional learning from our schools. It's divisive. Nobody should be taught that you are inherently one thing or another, anything, based solely on the color of your skin. It's wrong, it's un-American, it's not what we stand for. So I believe that you know, we should be spending more time teaching Things like reading, math, and, and writing, and we should um, spending more time on, on the social issues. One, one of the other reasons that I jumped into this was medical freedom. Um, you know, whenever we saw my neighbors losing their jobs because they were being forced to choose between an experimental vaccine or their livelihood, um, what, that will never happen under our watch. Um, you know, we believe in medical freedom. You should have this choice to determine what goes in your body. Uh, we will keep our, our streets safe from violent criminals, illegal aliens, and our homes. Um, you know, for one, if you look at our uh, at our logo, you'll see that it's a red state surrounded by a blue wall. That blue wall is there for a reason. That is going to be our law enforcement putting up our wall around Ohio to keep the traffickers out. Um, you know, if you look at the statistics, right? So Mike DeWine has spent $100 million over the last two years trying to fight violent crime. Yet here we are. Three of our cities this year set records for violent crime. That's unacceptable. And I challenge you to go look at some of these grant requests or grant requirements that is that the money is being allocated against. You can use that money for things like uh, technical support contracts. Yeah, so you can renew your... your, your uh, your Microsoft Office support contract on money that's supposed to be done to fighting violent crime. So it's not about are we spending enough money. I would argue it's about how we're spending that money at all. Uh, the other the other thing that you can difference that you can expect is you will see an administration that is tough on narcotics. And I look at this in two different buckets. You have the the opioid and methamphetamine abuse that we have seen. And I will tell you that you know, we need to fight this from both sides, supply and demand. First law of economics will tell you anytime that there is a supply, there will be a demand to fulfill it. The only thing you do by focusing only on the demand side is raise the cost of that supply. So we're gonna focus on both. We're gonna set aside money for treatment of addicts, but I will tell you that if you, if you push that garbage in Ohio, you will get thrown under the jail. 
Fentanyl, I see as a, a separate issue. Fentanyl is poisoning. It is, you know, there aren't many people going out on fentanyl runs, right? They're going out, they're, been, they're getting other recreational drugs, right, wrong, they're different, and they're getting poisoned. I want to see fentanyl classified uh, around the impact that it has on society. If I came in here with a bag of something, and I said, in this baggie is enough to kill the entire city of Cleveland, and it will kill you if you get if you get enough on the tip of a pen in your body, that would be classified as a weapon of mass destruction, right? I want to see fentanyl classified in the same way. If you push that garbage in our state, you will get treated just like a domestic terrorist. You will. Absolutely. Thank you. Um, you also have two two guys that will stand up for parental rights. Uh, you know, we do not believe that states should be raising kids. That's the parents' job. And we can have a lot of conversations around, you know, what can we do to get parents more involved? But I would say what the answer is not, and that's turning them over to the school districts or turning them over to the state. So we want to see, you know, funding around uh, getting parents more involved. Um, one of, you know, whenever I have an opportunity to get into the, the longer stump speech, I tell a story about how you know, I, I told you I was raised by a single mom. The part that most people, or some people don't get to hear is when I was 17 or 16, I told my mom that I wanted to meet my real dad. So she went out and hired a private investigator, tracked him down, and two months later we got a phone call and said, hey, here's a number where you can reach him. And long story short, we called, went well, uh, we went to the my sister, my mom and I, and they ended up falling back in love and getting remarried. So they've now been together longer than they were apart. But the reason I tell that story is you know, I wouldn't trade being raised by a strong woman for anything. Um, you know, I watched her live the American dream in front of me. She started making $7 an hour as a bookkeeper at a company that made parts for nuclear submarines, joined the Army Reserves, worked her way through college, and is now writing policy for the Department of Interior in Washington, D.C. But there was a lot that I didn't know about being a man, that having that father come back into my life, even at that late time, really taught me. And you know, to that, I am so thankful for. So you will see a lot of the um, you know, the driving force behind our platform revolves around the nuclear family. I would argue that a lot of the problems that we see in society today are because of the breakdown of the nuclear family. Mm -hmm. So we want us to do everything that we can to rebuild that, foster it, and make sure that you know we all have mothers and fathers that are active in our kids' lives. One of the other things that we were just talking about is ensuring the sanctity of our elections. And thank God we've got patriots like Tory running for Secretary of State, um, because I will tell you that um, regardless of what you think about the 2020 election, um, I am a business guy, right? So whenever I go into an audit, they run exception reports and they look for anomalies in the data. And where they find those anomalies is where they look. So when I start to see things like Donald Trump won 17 of 18 bellwether states across the country, and I start to see things like no president has ever lost that has increased their vote total um, from a, a re-election year. And all of these things didn't hold true in this election. I want to know why. If I was faced with those, with those anomalies, and then I pushed back the way that we have seen people pushing back against our elections, they would have walked me out of there and laughed. There is no way that I would have been able to, to keep my job by saying, no, there's nothing to see here. So we absolutely need to look into this, and we need to ban things like Zuckbucks, no public or private funding of, of public election activities. And I will tell you that if you put me in the governor's office,
This woman will have everything she needs to make sure that our elections are secure. Um, we have a tremendous opportunity in Ohio right now. There are law enforcement officers, good law enforcement officers, that are doing it for the right reasons, that care about their communities, that are fleeing these woke cities in, in droves. And if you look at what Florida has done, they have opened their arms to these, these officers and made it a destination state. So things like setting a minimum, a minimum salary of $60,000 for, for officers, things like um, setting aside money for training. So it's about a $7,000 hit whenever you come from another state into Ohio to get certified for Ohio-specific tests and certifications. So we want to remove that barrier. Um, you know, we want to do things like extend the homestead exemption to law enforcement and corrections officers. We believe that law enforcement living in the jurisdictions that they serve, the corrections officers living near the people you know, in the communities where their jails are, is a good thing. So we want to try to encourage that. And if you look at our veterans, Ohio is in the top 10 states in the country putting young men and women into the armed forces, and we're not even close to being in the top 10 welcoming them back in. So what we want to do is, we've looked at the Ohio capital budget over the next two years and identified over $200 million that are going to things like dorm refurbishments at OU, $16 million for FC Cincinnati soccer field. And listen, when times are good, do I want kids to have nice dorms and, and nice soccer fields? Of course. But not at the expense of our veterans. Did you know that we only have two veterans homes in the state? One is in uh, up here by Cleveland, and one is in Georgetown, yeah, Sandusky, and one is in Georgetown, um, down by Cincinnati. Both of them on gifted land. There has been no strategy around where we build these homes for our veterans. So if you are in Columbus or anywhere in the Southwest, it might, you might be two and a half, three hours to get grandma or grandpa into a suitable veterans home. So what I want to do is take that $200 million that we found, reallocate that to building three veterans homes over the next three years, that would then serve our veterans in you know, the, that quarter of the state and the northwest quarter of the state. So why hasn't this been done? If the, the nursing home lobby is so powerful in this state, they're coming to our, our leaders saying, you guys are only 85%, uh, and, and you're only at 85% utilization. You don't need new homes. Well, but look at the number of underserved that we have. <coughs> Yeah, so, okay, great. Sandusky, you're very well served. You're at 85% capacity. But guess what? That's not the case in Meigs County. That's not the case in Sierra County. Um, so we want to make Ohio a destination state for our veterans and our law enforcement. Um, we will never infringe on your Second Amendment right. Uh, there will be two executive orders that we sign on day one. The first one will be the executive order on medical freedom. The second will be the executive order establishing Ohio as a Second Amendment sanctuary state. What that means is no police power granted to the states by the federal government will be used to enforce unconstitutional gun laws. Now, God help you if you break the law with a firearm, because we will throw you under the jail. But I will never infringe on a legal citizen's law you know, their God-given right of self-defense. And, you know, things like, you know, we all, the gun laws are, are made to, the only people that, that care about them are law-abiding citizens. You know, criminals don't care. If you look at some of the areas in the country with the toughest gun laws, they've got the worst levels of violent crime. So it's, it's proven that they don't work. The genie is out of the bottle. Um, I believe that an armed society is a polite society. I would encourage everyone to get trained and carry your concealed, carry a concealed weapon.
but get trained, be comfortable with it, lock it up whenever it's, you're at home, but you have the right to protect yourself and we would never stand in front of you. So again, you ask yourself, these are fairly straightforward, you know, it's a fairly straightforward conservative platform, so why hasn't it happened? And I would argue it's because of this last tenant that nobody, no one else running for this office is gonna talk about, and that's the corruption in Columbus. We're, we're done. We are done with lobbyists writing the laws. We are done with having the uh, the relatives of the elected officials serve as lobbyists for the various companies. You know, whenever you you get a peek behind the curtain and you see how the sausage is made, our elected officials are not representing us. They're representing the corporations. They're representing the people that put the money in their pocket. That's why citizen candidates are so important. Um, you know, we need to stand up. We need to get involved. Um, we need a revolution in this in this state, and uh, my friend Tori will say, you know, the the pen is mightier than the sword, and uh, that will never be more true than on November eighth, whenever you use that pen to write in Marshall Usher for governor of Ohio. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Yes. You're too kind. Please. I'm going to sit because that's what I do for a living. <laughs> people ask me what I'm doing, oh, I'm sitting this week. That's what I do. My name is Judge Cornelius O'Sullivan. I was appointed by Governor Mike DeWine last year to the 8th District Court of Appeals. I was one of, I'm told, 17 candidates that, that wanted the job when unfortunately a year ago yesterday, sitting Judge Larry Jones passed away unexpectedly. So the governor had to fill the appointment. I applied. I got the job. It's been great. I have to run in November. I'm a Republican. I'm sprinting towards the guillotine right now. I'm a Republican in Cuyahoga County who did not put his phone on silence. You're a judge. They might need you. No, that's another judge, actually. Um, I grew up in Lakewood. Uh, my wife grew up in Lakewood. We have four boys. Uh, they grew up in Lakewood. We live in Lakewood. I'm not all about Lakewood. You want me to stand up? Yes, please stand up, please. I didn't realize there were people out there on the internet. Yeah, we got you. All right. So, I'm a Lakewood guy. I've been all over Cleveland. I've been all over Ohio. I practiced law for 30 years. Uh, when you get to the point of the Court of Appeals, uh, you, know, you know, you've seen maybe something a little similar when you watch the, the Supreme Court nominations. And they talk about, well, who did you clerk for and where did you work? And what, what, what experience do you have dealing with these important issues? In Cuyahoga County, the only experience needed for 48 of our judges is that they're a Democrat and they pay their $85 filing fee. I actually had to be appointed and show my resume along with other people and be more appointable than them. I worked in the Court of Appeals for three years as a lawyer, full time. I then went out and practiced in the Court of Appeals for the next 25 years. I was appointed by the Court of Appeals to represent criminal defendants in the Court of Appeals and in the Supreme Court. I was appointed by the trial court to defend criminal defendants in the trial court. That's not that lucrative, it's not that fun, but it's part of the system. I did that for several years. Then for the bulk of my practice, I practiced statewide for insurance companies. I worked for uh, State Farm. If you have State Farm insurance and you got in an accident, chances are I might have been the one defending you. Cincinnati insurance, CNA insurance. So just regular people, regular businesses. 
I was on what was called the uh, major case unit for the last 15 years. So I was actually sent to 67 different counties in Ohio and practiced in seven different appellate districts. <coughs> anything that happened, uh, a paint factory blew up in Columbus last year causing $60 million in damage. I was assigned to work with that company. Uh, people lost limbs in a coal, coal plant. I was assigned to that case. Four fatalities in a car accident. It was some pretty heavy stuff, but I did it for a long time. And I learned an awful lot. And that's what I think at the Court of Appeals, I think that's what you want. Uh, I've probably got the best resume of any judge on the Court of Appeals. And that's my colleagues who have been there 10, 15 years. And I think a lot of them are pretty good, too. I'm not trying to belittle them. But when you run for the Court of Appeals, you shouldn't be out there saying, well, I've been a judge for a couple years, I want my promotion now. My opponent's never been to the Court of Appeals. He tells you, I'm not, I'm not making this up. He's never practiced in the Court of Appeals. He's never worked there. He doesn't know the first thing about it. He's a, he's a, he's a juvenile court judge in Cleveland. And uh, a couple years ago, the paper interviewed him, and he, it's his dream job, working in juvenile court. He loves working with the juveniles. Um, so I say keep them there, you know. I, uh, I'd like to win. I'm a Republican. Uh, there are 12 seats on our 8th District Court of Appeals for this county. I'm the only Republican. Last year there were no Republicans. Most of the time there aren't Republicans. Uh, so it's, it's a tough job. I've been working hard to uh, campaign all over the county. Judges, uh, it's brutal to run as a judge. People come up and scream at you. What do you stand for? I can't tell you what I stand for. These two are running for the executive wing, right? They want to be executives. They can tell you what they stand for and what this is and what that is. And I want, I want this. All I'm going to tell you is what's the law today, and that's what I'm going to apply to your case. And when I took my oath of office last year, the laws in this country and in this state were vastly different. I took an oath of office to uphold the law. That's what judges do. If you have a judge telling you, they want to change this or change that, that's not a judge and don't vote for them. If you have a judge that says, I want, I want things to be turned this way, that's not, that's not a judge and don't vote for them. One of the best judges this county's ever seen is a, is a woman, Pat Lackman. She just retired a couple of years ago. Very, very prominent judge. Pat Lackman is a lifelong Democrat. You might consider her a liberal, I don't, but you know she's considered a liberal Democrat. You've heard of Justice Antonin Scalia. He was a conservative Republican on the, Ohio, on the US Supreme Court. I've heard them both speak in public about what it means to be a judge. And they've talked about what I've talked about, I just follow the law, you apply the law. And both of them have said, this, this liberal and this conservative said, if you want to change, go vote. If you want to change, run for office. But if you want to change, don't come to the court and say, I want the law to change. You want the law to apply to you fairly. Everybody that goes into the court comes out either winning or not winning. But at the end of the day, my hope is that, and I've heard cases for a year now, I've authored dozens of opinions, I've voted on dozens more. I hope that each party thinks that they got justice that they were treated fairly and with respect. So I'm Judge Cornelius O'Sullivan. I'm running in November. Actually, you can start voting for me next week on your early ballots. I appreciate it. As a Republican in Cuyahoga County, I'm sprinting towards the guillotine right now. I might be unemployed by the end of November, 
Um, that would be unfortunate, I think, for everybody. I'd be glad to answer any questions. I can't talk to you about cases or things like that, but I'd be glad to answer any questions that you might have. Okay, so we're going to wait to the end, let everybody finish introducing themselves, and then we'll hit you with questions. I have a few questions. Uh-oh. All right. <laughs> All right. Uh, hi. We have uh, Dennis Hall. Hi, Jesus Christ. Good. I'm sorry, Mike. I need to start my card here. Daniel Perot, a candidate for District 18. District okay. 18 is a new district that's being um, acquired, uh, which is Garfield, Maple, Wards 1 of Cleveland, Wards 2 of Cleveland, 4, parts of 5, a majority of 6, and so precincts in 12. So I am the endorsed Democrat in the race, so I'm just running to shine a light on District 18 and all that the opportunity that has to offer. Thank you. Okay, well, welcome. We're going to come back to you. I'm sorry. And we got Tori. Come on, thanks, Tori Moore. Yeah, they're going to need me to stand because I'm kind of short. <laughs> I'm wearing I'm wearing three inch boots today. Um, hi everyone, I'm Tori. Um, I sound a little bit off, and I'm coughing. I'm getting over an ear infection, not contagious, so I'm out and about now. Um, I am a smoker, so it hit me a little bit harder. Yeah, don't smoke. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I'll, I'll say I'm working. Yeah, we did. Uh, so both of these candidates, and I, I can't wait to hear for you. Um, you know, get my vote. I live in Cuyahoga County, and I hear a lot of people that are in any office, either that be Senate, Congress, uh, you know, whatever it is, Secretary of State. They're all activists, but none of them actually know what it means to be part of the community they speak to. Yeah. And uh, obviously as Secretary of State, I have two main functions, elections and business. Now, before we get into the elections, let's start with the business. Because that's the primary problem that we have in our elections. See, the two candidates that were in Cleveland, the Republican and the Democrat, they're not here. Because you're not that important to them, and because their corporations didn't sponsor this. That is the problem that we have, corporations. They will tell you whatever their interests that fund them have to say. They will tell you amazing things. We're going to do all this amazing stuff to your community. We're going to create this amazing building, and you guys are going to have a community gathering. And then you're sitting there and you're like, okay, how is that helping me feed my kids? How is that helping my education? When I first moved here to Ohio, I was excited because there was a downtown school, right? Um, international school. You guys have heard of it, right? Why? Because they have Chinese. And my daughter, we went as a family through something traumatic, right? And I'm not ashamed of it. I'm not ashamed to say that in my life, I had so much hardship at one point that for a few months, I was even on food stamps when I was going through college, right? I'm a single mother now, right? And I have been through the ringer, and people are trying to shame me for that. And it's like, see, that's the problem. That's what demons do. They take whatever you have been through, and they bash it into your face to, to minimize you because what you have to say is true and fair. While many will paint me as a, one side paints me as a liberal, the other one is a conservative, and then everyone's like, well, wait a minute, she voted for Trump, so how could she be both? Because both parties hate him. 
See, the media tells us one thing. The facts are different. And I met with a gentleman from the BLM chapter who said, you voted for Trump. I said, of course I did. I knew where he stood. I knew what I was getting. I had money in my pocket. There were no wars. So I, I don't have to like the person. They have to make my life easier. And for me, my life was easier. Right? And why did I know that I liked him? Because he funded his own campaign. Do you guys think that Nan Whaley doesn't have her own money? Of course she does. Do you not think Mike DeWine has millions? He's got homes in Haiti with Hillary Clinton. So why are we funding their campaigns? We're not. That's the thing. We're not funding their campaigns. Corporations are. The ones that we consume the goods from. We're the consumer, and they are also consuming us. Right. Now, as Secretary of State, businesses, how many times have they audited the Republican Party? They just misappropriated $3 million. No one went to jail. There was no investigation. Why do we know about this? Because the difference between the Democrat Party and the Republican Party is that the Democrats are all in corporate funding. Yeah, they might take some money from the little guy, but they never check. They don't say, hey, wait a minute, I gave you a dollar. Like, where is it? Republicans, though, they take from the corporations, but they take from the people, too. And those people ask questions, right? The Democrat Party says our people don't ask questions. They just listen like good little subordinates. The Republicans will beat you into submission and shame you if you do not think their way. We are in an era of tribalism, and this is a big problem. They put us up against each other, right, telling us things. I, I, I'm like, I'm a minority woman. You know how many Greeks exist? Do you know that we ticked the black box on our thing up until the 90s? And who was it that we were considered rats? We were going to colored schools. That was my, my people's journey here to America. Does that make me salty? No, because I don't live in that time anymore. It's 2022. And when I saw them capitalize on the fears and the suppression and the messages, I see huh, people missed it. A little bit of fast history. First president of the United States was George Washington, right? His party was the Federalist Party. Jefferson's party was called the Republican Democrat. A couple years later, Republican Democrat. They're the same party. They just use different words, and then they put you into these boxes, and then they pretend that they're fighting against each other. <laughs> so for me, for me, as an independent, I can tell you one thing. Business-wise, anybody who's holding any office we will check their businesses. Because when I look at the Secretary of State's website, I see a business and it says, oh, it's based out of Delaware. And it labels it as foreign. And then I look at another business and it's actually foreign and it's still labeled as foreign. But I don't know, is it a company just on paper? Are they working, right? What are they doing? Because these elected officials have trusts and this and they need a good, they should be held to the highest standard. And that's one thing we're going to do. And I can almost guarantee you that that can kind of fill our coffers here in Ohio. That's a, that's a fact. So on top of that for business, what I saw is during the 2020 um, infodemic, because I'm going to call it an infodemic, as someone in her previous life, I worked as an intelligence contractor. Um, I guess, you know, I didn't wear a cat suit. 
but I've traveled all around the world and my job was collecting information and convincing other nations to accept the American ways or whatever the global government decided to do. I was one of those. I have myself, I deserve nothing but mercy because I have assisted in taking down nations across the world. I have. I, and how did we do it? First, we rigged their elections. And if we can't do that, then we just come in guns blazing and allege something happened. And that's fact. And I say this, and I'm ashamed of saying it, saying it, but I thought I was just doing my job. So when this COVID sprouted, and they said, you must, you must, I was like, whoa, whoa. This was like, wait, when the government's telling you you have to do something, that's when you don't do it. We all know this because their interests are served first. It has to be, especially when it comes to our body, what I eat and I drink. I'm from New York originally. I was born and bred there, first generation immigrants, right? My parents were literally fresh off the boat. My dad actually came off a boat, smuggled himself in here, went back, and then came back legally, you know? And so I can tell you that in New York, when the TV says drink your water from your tap, it's the best, guess what everyone's doing? They're not drinking the water. <laughs> We're starting to understand the pattern because all of the media was telling us to be scared and yet every five minutes there was a Pfizer commercial. Mm -hmm. Anthony Fauci made millions. How many of your people that are running under the Democrat and Republican banner are funded by Pfizer? Mm -hmm. And in business, here's where it goes. What did the Secretary of State do when that happened? You're going to be like, it's none of his business. Actually, it is. Because the businesses were allowed to violate the Ohio State Constitution and fire people mm -hmm. for not complying with the vaccine. Mm -hmm. If you couldn't wear a mask or didn't want to wear a mask because you were healthy, you weren't allowed to shop. What did he do? He let them do it. And he was double masked. And he even did it in his office. And then if you went to his office, for some reason, I don't know whose bright idea it was, but just putting cellophane in the front, the virus is going to stop. It's not going to go on top or the bottom. It's just right there. It was the most, it, it, I mean, if you guys take a, a step back and rewind 2020, you're going to see just how crazy it was. And none, none of these people that were in elected office said something to, 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 to help the people. The Secretary of State could have done that. Could have said, you're, you're conducting business in my jurisdiction. You can't tell my citizens they're not allowed to eat your food because you don't want to. I'm sorry, Governor DeWine, you said that Walmart can stay open, but the cupcake shop on the corner can? Yeah. Or the lady that makes wedding dresses by appointment only, she can? Or the lady that delivers her own cottage-made food can't? I'm sorry, that's none of your business. I'm the Secretary of State. Businesses, you're listening to me. And it should have been done in another way. We should have had someone stand up and say, this is madness, stop. We don't cancel our rights and our constitution. Because if you all remember, that's what happened with 9-11 and look where we're at now. You know, when we go to bed and we say goodnight on the phone to our kids or to our loved ones, we're like, hey, goodnight, FBI agent, whoever's watching too, right? And we think it's funny, but it's really not, right? It's really not. And this is where we dovetail into elections, surveillance. Why do we have machines in elections? I want you to take a good, hard think of that. Are they going to tell you there were too many people and we need machines to count them? Is it just the right thing to do because we need to be efficient? 
Your ballot is a representation of your voice. That's your First Amendment. Your voice, your ballot, your voice, your vote. So from the minute that they want to make it efficient, what happens to accuracy? Now, we need accuracy. We don't need efficiency. Uh, we need to hurry it up. What? what do you mean hurry it up? We just had an election in Arizona, and you know, 20,000 ballots, didn't, they hadn't counted them for five days. So the machine messed up 20,000 ballots in five days. We could have 20,000 ballots counted in this room in like an hour, right? With our eyes. We can't count. We can't say, oh, looks like that one goes to the right end. That one goes, we can't. Oh, so are we all stupid now? <laughs> and we can't do math. The reason they put us on these systems is because now that they have access to your social media, they have access to your rewards, to your bank accounts, to your text messages, ever have a phone call and say, my spanks went bad with your girlfriend, and then suddenly you're on Facebook and spanks ads come up and you're like, are you, come on, right? That is the whole plan. Because once they have everything, including your access to voting, they don't even need to campaign. This is why they don't come out here, guys. They're like, no, 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 that's a Democrat stronghold. These people are idiots. They'll just vote whatever they tell them to. And they do think they're stupid across the nation. They're like, oh, what? You mean you like Trump? You can't because whatever. He's racist. And it's like, you know, people forget in the 70s, he was the guy that threw the first gay wedding before it was fashionable. Right? Listen, we, we forget that with Rosa Parks, he was awarded together a medal. Right? I remember because I was in New York and that was part of my curriculum. And it's like, so everybody just had amnesia, right? Why? Because he funded his own campaign because he didn't want the interest, but he did need a party and he said himself, I'm running with the Republican Party because they're stupid. And that was correct. Republican voters are the stupidest one. The Democrats, they just follow orders. The Republicans, they're dumb. They don't see right through it. That they're the same thing, only talking a different language. That's it. They're talking to a different demographic. When it's like, can we just all speak English and not try to hijack someone's deepest fear and everything to get them to vote? So business is the foundation. So for me, my problem is that maybe all of the people that are running should have their jackets with their, you know, like a NASCAR outfit. Who sponsors you, right? Because, you know, I'm looking at who sponsors them, like even Chelsea. Chelsea Clark, she has businesses, right? Is she Bernard? No. Is she a bad person? No. She actually started the STEM education. I was like, that's pretty cool. But then when I looked into it, she went through something called Run for Something. Do you guys know what that is? Run for Something is a program that the Democrats created. You guys can find it on YouTube, Run for Something Democrat. So what they do is they scout the nation to find people that would fit the profile of what they want and put them in office. They're like, it's okay, we just cast them. And then we just tell them what to do and we put the right people around them. So basically, what are they saying? They casted them, so they're just actors. And exactly, because if Chelsea Clark was here and I could talk to her about policies, I would talk her under the table. LaRose is literally the Secretary of State, and I know elections better than him because I rigged them in 45 different countries. So there's nobody that knows elections better than him. Nobody. And one thing I am doing next week is actually filing a lawsuit in the Supreme Court of Ohio to get rid of these machines and plead with them that we have fair and accurate elections. That's all I want. I do not want elections. 2020, stolen. 
2019, stolen. 2018, stolen. 2017, 2016 was a battle, I'll tell you that. Two intelligence facilities, right? Because they were all trying to get in and hack. And they got caught in Georgia. And and and, and Kemp came out and he said, I've got Russians in my machines. And then the next day he was on CNN, actually it was DHS. And then, and then he was like, why is DHS in all of my election machines? Because guess who owns our machines here? <laughs> DHS. Because LaRose put all our information, the .gov sites, all of them are on an IP that DHS controls, monitors, and maintains 24-7, all for free, of course. There's nothing for free. That's your data. They're creating predictive analytic profile. You want to get a job? You're not going to get it. Because if they know that you're a Christian and they want you to do immoral things, well, guess what? Their computer, their AI program is going to say, well, we got all our information in here. She's not a good egg. She can't come. This is what they are doing. And people don't see how many times have you sent down a resume and nobody responded. They already put your name through the system and it's like, nope, not a good fit. And see, this is how they create it. Now, when your money is gone, that's when you're going to get upset. But by then it's going to be too late. These elections are super important. Very important. Now, I can't speak for the whole nation, but I can speak for Ohio. When I get in there, the first thing I'm doing is taking care of business. Taking care of business. We got Les Wexner in our state. A pedophile. The guy that actually created Epstein lives in our state. And he has his name on a pediatric hospital. How ironic, right? And if anybody watched the Jeffrey Epstein trials, right? The victim was there saying how she was trapped in his house with her little brother in Ohio. And guess how many dinners he's had with all of these politicians? That's right. And none of you would sit there and say that's a conspiracy because that's fact. One guy is supposedly dead because, you know, a guy that's over six feet can hang himself from four feet, of course, right? And then we have Ghislaine Maxwell who, you know, she was the victim, yet they always need the woman to bring them in, right? And this is all Hollywood weird stuff. And, and you know what I was so excited? To see Kanye speak English. I, I, don't, I don't know if you guys, you know, see that, but I was excited to see that. Because he spoke his mind, and I like that. When people speak their mind, that's fine. Some people can't stand people speaking their mind. And that's okay, too. we got to love them just the same, because they just probably don't have ears to hear and eyes to see. So his business, last thing I, I wanted to say on the business aspect is, I will <clears throat> open up satellite offices across the state of Ohio. So there'll be one in Cleveland, Toledo, Cincinnati, probably get Southeast Ohio. I'll figure it out map-wise, so it'll be less than 50 miles distance, an actual Secretary of State satellite office. Because what I want to do is I want to encourage people to start a business. It should be exciting. Because this is how we make money in our nation, right? And in our state, we're going to boom it. Because when you open up a business, you're, you're like, what do I do? I get an EIN? Do I do an LLC or an S-Corp? Like, what do I do, right? People don't have money to hire an accountant. You know, you're like, I'm good at mowing lawns and cutting flowers. Or I'm good at cooking infused food. There's a lady here that does couture kitchen. I don't know if you guys know her. Um, she's off on 69. She's really good. She, could, she needs to start a business, right? How does she do it? And she's not because by the time she's doing it at home, it's all going back in and then paying her bills, right? So <clears throat> I'll hire IRS agents that will give them their first steps and say, this is your checklist. You need a bank account like this. 
This is how you do it. If you want a board, and they go through it. We should have weekly classes to teach them how to manage their money. That's what the Secretary of State should do, encourage business, not corporations, businesses. Because businesses create jobs. From one person mowing the lawn, they're going to hire two more people. And this is how we grow as a state. And on top of that, I'm going to get rid of the Chamber of Commerce, the local ones, because they're bullies. I hear it from people that when they have businesses and they have their, like, their local Chamber of Commerce, it's like some fat cat that owns most of the restaurants or hotels, and then they're like, pay your dues, and, and, and maybe we'll talk about you, and it's, and it's ridiculous. It's all posturing and pompous. It's not productive. So we'll have our own uh, regional Chamber of Commerce where all the businesses within that satellite region of the Secretary of State will be able to see all the businesses listed. So that's on the business side. Oh, and none of them are ever going to enforce anything. You can't tell people what to do. You just hire them for work. Because when I'm in, anybody that got fired because they didn't get the vaccine or because they didn't choose to get the booster. Some people were injured and they didn't want to get the booster. Well, they can see them. And, I'll, and I will make that no that retroactively they violated Ohio state law. Well, it's a constitution. Article 1, Section 21 clearly says, get this. No law, rule, or regulation can compel, directly or indirectly, any citizen of Ohio to participate in any uh, health care program. Health care program is defined as insurance. They can't force you to have that. Health care program includes medications, taking your information, masks, devices, vaccines at school. We have it in our constitution, but guess what? I'm the only one that filed a lawsuit in Ohio to represent my kid when her school said put the mask on. And I did it not because I didn't want, I wanted to win the whole mask argument. I wanted to win the argument that I can represent my kid. And guess, and it was two weeks ago that the judge threw it out. Do you know what the judge told me? Ma'am, you can't represent your kid. I said, you expect me in federal court you expect me to feed my kid or else I go to jail. You expect me to insure my kid or else I go to jail. You expect me to keep my kid in check or else I go to jail. You expect me for it to go to school, but I can't say what goes on my baby's face and in their body, get out of here. And I'm going to fight that. Right after these elections, that dismissal will be turned into an appeal with the lawyer, not for the mask, but for my right to represent my kid. And I will fight it. And, and, and step, every step of the way. And I did that case all by myself. It was me against a massive law firm of Mayfield Heights um, schooling. And I did it. Somebody had to because nobody does. And you know what? One thing you can know is that I'm a fighter. I fought in my life. I fight every day. I work for myself. I'm, I'm a podcaster now. So my, my, my actual employer is the people. I don't work. I don't get paid. That's the way it is. Now, in regards to elections, I mean, I touched on it. Why do we need machines? Why do we need machines? When I fought, do you know how hard I fought to get onto the ballot for November as an independent? They kept me off two times. I had to go to court. And it was such a sham and a waste of money. I grassroots. I have gotten checks from corporations. I've literally ripped them up. Why? Because I want to prove to everybody, not only in Ohio, but in America, that you do not need a corporation. You do not need the coattails of some campaign company, you know, like the Democrats or the Republicans. 
you know, that throw parties and confetti and balloons that could have fed a whole neighborhood, right? Glorifying them like they're some saint when they're just citizens like us, right? They're supposed to be. And I tore it up and I'm like, I'm only getting from people. That's it. And, and, and I had to spend it all to go to court. And that's okay. Because guess what? I'm on the ballot. And guess what? Over 75% of Ohioans are registered independent or unaffiliated. Mm -hmm. So that means I actually represent over 75% of Ohio. And, uh, you know, the media here has a gag order not to talk of me. They were told, don't, don't even mention her. Because they know what's coming. Frank LaRose, the incumbent, the Republican, that stopped me twice, not once, but twice, to be on the ballot, is sending emails saying, oh, those insane liberals on the Ohio Supreme Court added another candidate last minute. No, they're not crazy. You're crazy. They said you literally violated the law, which he did. Okay? And they're not crazy. The ones that were crazy were the two, Pat DeWine, Mike DeWine's son, right? And Fisher. You know what they turned around and said? Oh, well, I don't know. I don't like the wording of her affidavit. <laughs> we got to check if that, you know, I don't know if I'm okay with the affidavit. Are you kidding me? I used an online notary, and then they were going to question it, but they never questioned it before when I've been using the same part-time teacher notary online all the time because we had to find online ones for 2020, right, guys? Because nothing was open. We weren't allowed to function. These people were getting paid sitting at home, right. you know, in state offices. Right. Now, again, elections is key. We have to vote. Even if it's rigged, we still have to vote. And it is up to us to tell our friends and our families, you know, you don't have to vote straight ticket. Right. You gotta pick and you gotta see what feels right with you. Don't listen to the media, don't listen to your moms, or tell your friend, don't even listen to me. Like, you figure it out. But please, this is why we're in this place, because we're listening and living the lives according to what everybody else tells us. <clears throat> I can promise you that I will fight, and I can promise you that I will be one of the most transparent Secretary of State ever, okay? And if I mess up, I'm going to be the first one that's going to say it, too. And I will always ask for the input of the people, and I will try to create avenues where we can actually remove elected officials that don't do their job. And, and I use just an example that may not resonate with a lot, but um, there was a guy running out in, was it Lorain County where Gonzalez ran, you know, that football player? He ran as a Republican. He raised an insane amount of money, which is another thing. They're like, look at me, I'm great, I raised money. And it's like, that means your own. I wanna vote for you. Why would I vote for you? Right, that's the, that's the thing, right? Why would I vote for you? And they're like, look, I raised $3 million. And I was like, that tells me somebody owns you. Yes. Next. Um, <coughs> he raised a lot of money. The GOP had him like this. And he was like, yeah, what they did to Trump was so bad. And everyone was like, money, money, money. We got to win this, right? Because they're, they're trying to get this guy. Like, look at him. He's out of office and they're still chasing the guy. Right? Like, come on. Let's be fair. You might not like what he has to say. You might believe half the stuff you hear about him. But let's be fair. Is that okay? What we've seen. The behavior we've seen. Right? As someone that's had Hunter Biden's laptop. And I didn't bring it with me today. Could have shown it to you. I've had it in my possession for two years. While other people are showing off the hookers, the drugs, which is disgusting because that's a demon that kid's battling, okay? But in there, you see exactly what these politicians do. 
you know, Joe Biden and his daughter having weird showers. He knowing that his, his, his own granddaughter is being molested and doing nothing. But that's ethics. Let's talk business. What they have done with our nation in those emails is ridiculous. He literally used his son as a prop so that they can funnel money in while his dad was vice president. And he plotted over a year to smuggle someone from the Mexican border on email chains from other countries. And it's like, how are these people not in jail? You know why? Because they make it so ridiculous that you just want to tune out. You don't even want to listen anymore. Like, how do you trust them? You can't believe the media. Let me tell you, if that laptop was Don Jr., you'd be hearing about it all day. There would be movies everywhere, right? It would be like a shot, right? And then they're trying to convince you, Trump inside of the, the, the insert. They all, I was there. They were already in there while he, while he was still talking. You know, the time doesn't even match. But the media can make anything happen. I mean, they're sitting there in a hurricane. Oh, my God. And then there's a guy behind them doing cartwheels. And they look like idiots. This is where we're at in an infodemic. Our information is so skewed. Yeah. And when the COVID hit, I said, guys, this is going to be the biggest infodemic we are ever going to go through. Because it is a war for your mind. It doesn't matter what's right, what's wrong. It's your mind. So these elections are key. I am going to work hard for your vote. I am going to work hard for my state because elections are very important because that's the only way to fix it. That's how we get them out. And like I said, with that Gonzalez guy where he raised all that money, you know what he did first day? I mean, he, he swore in high, swearing in, impeached Trump. Now, you're going to be like, whoa. Be like, no, wait a minute. Say you gave him money, right? Because he said, oh, you know, I'm going to build this building, right, that's halfway done. And then you're like, great. And then he gets in, and then he says, I'm not building this building now. And you're like, wait a minute, I just gave you my $100 because I believed in you, and you, didn't, you need out. And they laugh at us. They won't even answer our calls. They won't even bother to look at us unless it's a 1,000 people and they look good on camera and there's cameras. They won't come. Why isn't Chelsea Clark here? Yeah. Why isn't Frank LaRose here? Why? Because we have electronic machines and they know who's going to win. It's all shut. And it's not just 2020. When Obama was running in 2012, that was a fix too. He already knew he was going to win. He and Romney had it. It's money, money, money from the party. They just pull, pull, pull. Because there were counties where he got zero votes. Zero votes? How did Obama get zero votes in a county? I don't, what are the statistics of that? Right? You voted for him or not, because I think he was one of the worst presidents. Bush, the only person that I liked was actually Reagan. And he wasn't even president. He was a puppet after they shot him. It was Bush Sr. calling the shots. That poor guy, they had him hog-tied. And all he could do was like, you, you, you don't let me make decisions, but I'm going to be talking. And he did. And he told us everything. He told us their dirty laundry. Try it. I mean, he tried as much as they could. He was like, look, I want to live. <laughs> but yeah, I just wanted to say, um, I'm going to give transparency. I'm going to work really, really hard for my state. And I'm going to make it so that you can actually vote and make change. Because the only way we fix this is that if each and every one of you actually run. I want to see you guys running. I want you guys taking over the school board. This CRT stuff, do you know why it's there? Corporations. Do you know when my kid came here 
<clears throat> Chinese. You know why I pulled her out? Because corporations, when I saw the amount of money that is coming from these insane foreign institutions, open societies, George Soros, people are like, oh, he helped? No. My daughter was given a book, and they were like, read this, and now write while you ashamed that your skin color is white. And I was like, first of all, she's vitamin D deficient, and when we hit the sun, we Greeks turn brown. We don't creak easy. People think I'm young. I'm not. I've got a 22-year-old daughter, right? I'm 45, almost. <laughs> almost 45, right? And I was just like, this is great. She's not doing that. Why are you telling kids what they need to think? Why is it that it has to be politicized? You know what the problem is in these communities here in the metro? That we've got teachers that want to tell them how to think. Exactly. Right? No. We need to give them math, reading, arithmetic, right? Science. We need to inspire them to want to learn more. Instead, we're telling them, you can be free. You need to mind your words. Wait a minute. What is this speech? We don't need speech. We don't need curb speech. I'm going to offend someone. If I'm with one person, I can be mindful. Three people, a little bit mindful. Ten, uh-uh. You're going to offend somebody. No matter what you do, you are going to offend someone. And you should stand firm. I am Orthodox Christian. That's like historical Christian, right? I'm a single mom, been through tragedies. I'm a whistleblower with no protections because I was a private contractor and told on them. And, and um, I will fight. I fought really hard to get on this ballot. And if you choose independent, vote independent on November 8th. I'm the only one, and I am the first woman independent to make it on a statewide ballot. So we actually made history. So that's a good thing. So God bless. I've talked for both the other candidates, too. <laughs> so, <laughs> hey, they weren't here, so I took their time. So, yeah. So, God bless everyone. I appreciate you, and I look forward to your questions. And I'm a presidential candidate for 2024, United States of America. Yes. Oh, this is my fifth election. I ran in 08, I ran in 12, I ran in 16, and I ran in 2020. And I just want to say something really, really. I don't like the leadership in our nation or our state. I don't like this view of women and children coming from women or men. I heard everything you all had to say. And thank you. I heard what you said about um, if they want to change something, there should be a judge here absolutely right. Because as a probation officer, I couldn't go in the, in the probation department and say I wanted to change something. I had to go by the rules of the court for a judge to make a decision on someone's destiny. And you're absolutely right. Too many people are in the wrong lane. Donald Trump, I heard you doting and gloated about sexually violating women and women voting for him. I have a problem with the self-esteem of women. I would like to know, I heard you talking, sir. Um, I really want to know what anybody's going to do to join me, not only about the portrayal of females and our children, 
But about gun control for real. Yeah. The money that you spending to manufacture, produce, right. trade, and sell guns, mm -hmm. that money could be used to put a roof on somebody's house. Mm -hmm. That money could be used to fill potholes and streets. Mm -hmm. That money could be used to give books and computers to children. That money could be used so that a woman or a man, a naturally born heterosexual female or male, can do something cosmetic for themselves that's not considered vanity. Absolutely. I want to know, really. I disagree with, I don't like any of those gubernatorial candidates that are there now. The men or the women. The women do like women in. And I don't want to see militarization of the police. I experienced what you're talking about with DCFS. DCFS and the perpetrator of our protection order violated it, as well as Cleveland police. Mm -hmm. And I was held hostage. My children stolen from the school, told I had to give them away. My baby stolen from me, where I'm supposed to be safe. No attorney would help me. Mm -hmm. But a guardian writing comes to court and says, I'm here to see you at this moment and get your mother back. <laughs> mother back because these children were in the best care with their mother, they could ever be in the hands of the state. Mm -hmm. My children now have criminal records. My children now have drug problems because DCFS put drugs in my children when they weren't supposed to medicate them. And I'm not going to talk for because we, we got a lot of people here that want to say something. But I also want to know who's going to work with me because I want to know who's going to really do something about the two unarmed black people that were gunned down on the school in a predominantly black community. A man stood on the hood of a car. 137 shots. Yes, right. The mayor of Cleveland gets sued for reverse discrimination for prosecuting him. Then they changed the school back to the, and the school was called Heritage. <laughs> then they changed back to the school, back to the school when it was all white, completely white. All the students, all the parents, all the staff, the community was all white, and nobody in Washington, D.C. has a problem. That's right. <laughs> I want to know who's going to help me with the young boy who just got murdered in Akron by the police, yeah. shot 40 times in his back. Yeah. <coughs> what we had a gun for? All right. Hmm. Our mouths are the most dangerous weapons we have. Right. And our hands and our pens are the most powerful ones we That's have. True. I'm not in. I'm not in this. Because I'm a board worker. <coughs> Neither am I a board worker. I went to the Cleveland Police, <coughs> police Report, they wouldn't get me one. Mm -hmm. I believe there's good in every party. I have a new party that I started eight years ago, a multi-partisan party. And we have work to do. I'm so glad you invited me here today. Because I was feeling some kind of way. If any of you all come to the board, back to the board meeting on Wednesday, come. Come. Let your voice be heard. You know my ballot was destroyed and disappeared in two elections, 2004 <laughs> And purposely somebody put in the computer that I lived in one place and they knew in the board of elections in the records that I lived in another. I'm supposed to accept that. 
I'm here today because I love everybody. But we're going to come with judge, we're going to come up with some decisions. Judges go home. My mother's an attorney. Judges go home with our lives on their minds. I have a friend, Donna Carr, who's running for uh 9th District Court of Appeals in Summit and and the other counties right now for re-election. A Christian, a believer. And I want to know who's gonna get with me. Family matters. Faith matters. Finances matter. Futures matter. Fitness matters and fairness absolutely does matter. I'm a licensed, ordained preacher, and I've been pastoring for over 20 years, and I'm licensed in all five positions of the church. And I just, I don't like the mindset of how women and children are portrayed and how women think themselves in this country. I'm not buying, dying, and crying. It's a man. But if some women feel they need to do that, that's what women do. I'm who I am. I'm fearful and I'm wonderfully made. I'm not going to compromise. And, and my dad was the first man of color to be council president in Warrensville Heights, Ohio, who ran against the president, Jay Graybow. And I saw they crucified my dad on the front page of the newspaper. My mother's attorney, Dr. Betty K. Butts Pinkney. And I watched how people treat my mother. And they've been married 65 years, and I know media portrays people of color as dysfunctional. Mine are not. They've been married 65 years, and I haven't had any domestic violence. My dad has never called my mother out her name. Come on, man. My dad doesn't have alcohol, tobacco, and chemical addiction problems. My dad has never molested me or done anything to me. Neither has my mother. It's time to turn the page. It's time to stop all this nonsense. That's right. I think what Jesus does. Mm. If Jesus were a woman, I still think what Jesus does because we have stood and we have walked and we have been hung on the cross and shamed before the world. Yeah. But you know what? We still rise again. Because yeah. I'm still a woman. That's right. And I'm a presidential candidate for this country. And I want not just a vote and a voice, not just your vision, but I want to see you live. It's not the will of God we survive. That's not even in the Bible. He said, we're overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. We live from sea to sand to sea. Shine the sea. Thank you. Okay. We'll go now with Mr. Uh, with, with oh, brother. If you reach me, my phone number is 216-548-0820. And I also, um, my actual Summit County number is 330-428-9191. My Mahonian County number is 234-275-4537. And I have a lot of things that I am doing. Thank you so much. You, no, I'm happy. Thank you. That's with me. That was it. Um, that's what she has. All right. Let's go. And then we also have LaShondra Tinsley uh, also here today. She's running for U.S. Senate, and she also is a write-in candidate. Uh, Ms. All right, ladies first, let's go. Okay, we do have a hard stop at 305.
Okay, so I'll be brief. Okay. Hi, everybody. My name is LaShondra Tinsley. First of all, I want to say I appreciate you guys being patient. I was having car trouble. So it took us a little time to get here. We came in from Columbus, Ohio. So thank you guys for your patience. Um, I am a United States write-in. Thank you guys for being here. I am a United States Senate write-in candidate. I'm running against Tim Ryan and J.D. Vance. Um, and so what a write-in essentially means is when you go to vote, you'll select write-in. You'll type in my name. If you're having any problems or issues, what you'll do is ask the elections worker for a list of United States or a list of write-in candidates. You'll type in my name and then you'll cast your ballot. Now, I say that for two reasons. The first reason is because I need you to know the process. I have to have your vote and you have to know how to do it in order to help me win the seat. I need your help to help you win. The second reason I say that is because from this moment forward, I need you guys to all understand how crucial it is to use and to allow write-in candidates to be an option for you. From this moment forward, every time you go to vote, make sure you ask are there any writing candidates available. And I had a whole thing set up so I could just chop it up and go to bits and <coughs> For so long, I always have to choose between the lesser of two evils. With writing candidates, it gives you a different option. A lot of times, writing candidates have been sabotaged from making the ballot. A lot of times, depending on what political party they align with, the political party has already chosen their candidate. It doesn't matter if they represent their community at a level that it needs to be represented in. It doesn't matter if they are qualified for that position for that community. They may be better with money or you know, being a commissioner, or, you know what I mean? So that's why it's always important. A lot of people don't realize how important uh, um, writing candidates are. Okay, another thing um, sometimes um, as it pertains to writing candidates um, is sometimes it's about the money, okay? Let's, let's be honest, sometimes it's about the money. Sometimes writing candidates don't have the same amount of money as an endorsed candidate, which makes it, in my opinion, even better because right. a writing candidate is more relatable exactly. than an endorsed candidate. We don't have millions of dollars. That's we don't have billions of dollars. We're not part of a, 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 a <coughs> society. We are normal, everyday working people. Some of us work at McDonald's. Some of us work for social services. Some of us are entrepreneurs. But we go to work every single day. And that is what makes nine times out of 10 a writing candidate more, um, more relatable. So really quick, again, my name is LaShondra Tinsley. I'm a writing United States Senate candidate. I'm running against Till Ryan and J.D. Vance. Um, I come from very humble beginnings. I grew up throughout, the, throughout Ohio in foster care. Um, I was in a domestic violence relationship. I survived that. I had wisdom teeth removed and got addicted to prescription pain medications. This was years ago before it was a thing, but I survived that. I've been in jail. I went to jail. I was in a domestic violence relationship, and he used to steal my money. And when he stole my money, I didn't have enough money to pay for my car insurance. So I had to go to work. They called, well, it seemed like they just knew it was a <laughs> And they would pull me over, and I would go to jail. But instead of that, it just seems like, you know, I don't know any of you, but it just seems like I've always been different. I don't know why. It's just something. 
Somebody reduced, I remember one time my cousins were stealing from the store. I don't know if you guys ever heard of boosters. I'm trying to copy off, and I was going through hard times one day, trying to copy off them. I get caught the first time. They ain't got away, I get caught. So for me, I've always been a little different, and I'm just, you know, very thankful for that now, because now those lived experiences is what qualifies me for this seat. Absolutely. Because there's Absolutely. so many uh, elected officials that Absolutely. are completely oblivious. Absolutely. So we need someone in this seat that can relate with the working middle class, period. That's it. And I just want you guys to know one more thing. I don't want to take up too much time, especially since I was late. I am an independent. I was a Democrat. Um, I was sabotaged by the party. That's how I know. And it doesn't only happen to me. It's a lot of people have been sabotaged. <laughs> so, you know, and I want you guys to know that they tried to make you think that write-in candidates can't win. There's a ton of write-in candidates that win all the time. And in fact, U.S. Senators, there's two United States Senators that have won via write-in. Um, one, both of them have served decades in their terms. Another one has won by over 200,000 votes. Wow. So it can be done and we can win by a landslide. Mm -hmm. So you guys follow me, I am all over social media. Um, donate to the campaign. When you, we, she gave me some flyers. Um, look it up, please donate, look into it, see who I am. I have a campaign data. I have one coming out every week until election day. And I have earned your vote and support. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. One more thing, I'm sorry. We have petitions to circulate to end qualified immunity. Yes. I don't know if you guys are interested in that, but if you are, we would love if you can sign those petitions. Please. This please. campaign stands in solidarity with ending qualified immunity. And that's it. Thank you. We will have those, um, you guys can tend to either pass that around or put it on the table, and we'll get whoever wants to sign those, sign those. And if you would leave some of those with me, I'll get some of those signatures as well. Okay. And for future days. Okay. Please. Okay. So we got, let's go. I won't be All right. But I still want to give some questions, give the opportunity for some questions. Yeah. So go ahead. And this is the I'm Ricky and Daniel Brewer. I am running for District 18. Uh, right now, uh, it is so good to be among people that are, even, but it is so good to be among people who are so very different in our thinking. And that's what we need to make sure we do as no matter what party we are. You know, because if I'm elected, if anyone needs our honor to be elected, we're going to represent people who do not think like us, look like us, or feel like us. And we're going to still do our damn best job to make sure you guys represent us. So that's what I'm running for. Even though I've been doing Democrat in the race, I want to say this. A party doesn't mean anything. It's the people. And I think everybody up here sitting at this table is about the people. Or we wouldn't be here. Because like I said, we could be somewhere being corporate raising money, and trust me, I know what you're talking about because I'm not getting that money. <laughs> it's been a struggle. And I'm going to say what this young lady just said. We all need it. This is a hard road for every one of us sitting at this table. So anybody who can support any one of us in our campaign, please, whether it be financially, whether it be getting our voices out, whether it be sharing us on Facebook, whatever we can do, I think we'll all appreciate any type of help or support you can give. Because like you said, it's all about people. It ain't about that. Just because we have an R, D, I, B on our name, I think we all have, from listening here, lived experiences that we bring to this job. 
and them experience that we will bring to whatever office that we are. So again, I'm Dr. Ember on District 18. I work right now with the elderly disabled, so that's what I do full time as a district director of this. I have worked in the field of juvenile justice. I worked in the government field. I ran for school board when I was 17 years old, so I'm one of the youngest people to ever run for public office. I ran when I was in Gracious Department and had to fight for that because they didn't want the law saying you have to be a registered voter to oversee. It is saying you have to be a registered voter to, to run. So I had to fight the system to run because when I was going to be able to hold a seat, if I had won at the time, I would have been a registered voter. So it's important, those election laws, that's why we need people to help with those election laws who know the election laws. <laughs> So that's why we can do that. So once again, I'm Darnell Brooke. Thank you so much. We're answering questions, right? Answering questions that you may have. Thank you. Awesome. All right, I, I want to thank everybody for uh, coming out and for really, I think that quite a few of us, we learned some things today. Um, I don't know if anybody else has something that they might have forgot that they want to just touch on real fast. I know you, you, you ran through yours really fast. Yeah. I do appreciate you coming up from Columbus, that was right. We appreciate that. You know, I know uh, Marshall's always somewhere in the state because uh, I talk to him occasionally. And he's somewhere, and and I'll be in Southeast Ohio yeah. next week. Okay, and also we have an event. I'm sorry, the Carolyn's Law. Do you want to explain what the Carolyn's Law is? Is anybody familiar with the Carolyn's Law? No. The Carolyn's Law is a law that when people are in nursing facilities, uh, they have one nurse or one medical professional for 30 to 40 patients, and the patients are dying. Mm -hmm. And this is a law, um, you can go to carolynslaw.org, and the people uh, from the Carolyn's Law want to get legislation to mandate that we have at least one medical professional for from five to eight patients versus 30. And a contact person is Mr. Jimmy Pope, who can give you his number is 216-451-1397. And the man who initiated this, his wife died as a result of negligence. Mm -hmm. And um, it's Jesse Buckman, we call him, he's my Zion Baptist Church. And we're trying to get him on the ballot. So, um, Death has, death has no color and has no monetary value. That's right. Death is for everybody. That's and right. We want to preserve lives as much as possible. And before I sit down, I want to let you know that I am, uh, my website is People's President, listen to me, for the number 4224. Okay. All right, thank you. I appreciate that. I do have a few quick questions, and um, I can address these to all of everybody on the panel right here. Um, how do you feel about social media companies and other corporate entities volunteering to help with elections? <laughs> so that's actually one of the, the key pillars of our, of our platform is to get rid of private funding of public election activities. Um, there's, you know, there's, no re there's no reason or place to have, especially corporate funding, um, influencing our elections. Anybody else, how do you feel about that? Yeah, um, right now, if you guys know in Ohio, obviously the incumbent Republican Franklin Rose uh, took a lot of money from Facebook. I think my little card shows it too. Um, but he's also taking money from TikTok and, and um, Twitter. They're all policing our thoughts. We're not allowed to think different. We're not allowed to talk different. Um, and guess who 
runs the election security. I want you guys to take a while again. How's this? Question. Would you buy a couch from Craigslist by yourself? No. They're the ones giving election security to the state of Ohio. It's actually Craig Newman. Craigslist is sponsoring our election security. Right now. Wow. We speak. That's interesting. Yeah, that was fun, right? They're sponsoring it. So I kind of crime coming off of Craigslist. Uh, from what I understand. Okay. I, 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 that, that's something that the news does report. Yeah. Yeah. Those those Craigslist crimes. Yeah. The question, the actual question was, do you believe that uh, we should? How do you feel about social media companies and other corporate entities volunteering to help with elections? Something's free, you're the product? No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. They're not, they're not volunteering, they own it. They own the social media, they own the mainstream media, so they're not rendering any what services, they're not losing anything or... What they're doing, Facebook is, it has been sponsoring local elections, so they'll go in and say, here is a million dollar grant to go increase security on your election. Because Facebook is owned by the children of the establishments that we have in place. And one of the things that, that I've been emphasizing, I don't know how many people in this room know about the uh, corporate law. Does anybody know what that is? Again, educate the people. We're here to get educated. That's what this is all about. Thomas Corbin was a federal senator from Ohio, a federal representative from Ohio, a governor from Ohio, and the secretary of the treasury who drafted something called the Corbin Amendment the pro-slavery amendment, the ghost amendment, from when it was set up in Public Square, to say that slavery is never to be abolished in the United States of America, and it's inside of the 13th Amendment. Chew on that for a minute. And think about the social media. Think about the mask. Think about those masks sitting on your shelf, on the shelf of Trump and Biden and Obama and Bush in their businesses collecting dust and they need to get rid of them so they toss them into the community. How many people are aware of the Corbin Amendment? It's very, very real and December 5th, 2017, County Public Safety and Justice Affairs Committee passed a pro-slavery law here in Cuyahoga County I had to call 911 to get out the building <laughs> because, of course, I spoke on it. Mm -hmm. And the American Civil Liberties Union endorsed it based upon the laws of 1700. What's your name again? Mars. Um, Which one? Marshall or Tori? Tori. Hi. Women? Yes. And what's your name? LaShawn. LaShawn. In 1700, women wouldn't be the one we're doing right now. Mm -hmm. Women were the actual ones that um, printed the Constitution. Women were the ones that printed the Declaration of Independence. Women, don't believe everything history tells you. Women played a very key role. Well, in the background, of course. And I, I said that to say this, that this law says that license plates are to be issued for people who have been incarcerated and Two cameras per city in the counties are to be put up to monitor these people. And that's another concern, Governor. Mass incarceration. So I just wanted to just let you know, educate you on what really is going on around here. And I'm going to tell you, 
If you look at the committee meeting, you see who was in that meeting who passed that legislation. Yes. And those are the things that I think that the community needs to know. That's why this is so important. And we have to do our research to know outside of people telling us what they're going to do for us, what are they actually doing right. for the community? Are they actually doing right. anything for the community? Or do they come out and they say, hey, come on, sign up, register to vote. And what happens? Nothing. Nothing. Not only does the person not actually get to the poll, the person that convinced them to come and actually sign their name isn't even supporting them or or representing them in any kind of way. I wish that whoever is running uh, against Jim Jordan were here. I would love for Jim Jordan to come and sit at this table and explain to the constituents of Ohio how he represents us in any way. That's a problem for me. I've asked. I've asked that they come. But they didn't come. We have another event coming up on July 29th. And I, again, I ask anybody who wants to come and have something that they want to share with the community. October, October, July. October 29th. Yeah, I said July. I wish I had started back in July. But this is going to be October 29th. Uh, and, and, and so there is some literature about that. It's called uh, Heal the Vote. Okay, and so if you guys are in town and you want to come out and, and, and do your spiel again, you are all welcome. To come out at that time as well. I, I, I just would ask. I would just require. You just have to register. register. There is a uh, QR code, and you would just register to show up because Crime Survivors for Safety and Justice is hosting this. The Musketeers Association is partnering with them, along with Together We Rise. Um, we're all putting this together for the community, and there will be lunch served. So that's why they ask you to register, so they can have a head count of how many people for the lunch. Okay, so those cards are here as well. well um, no, yes, I don't, it's not on the card. They have to use what's on the, the flyer. Uh-uh, the flyer. This one? Yeah, it's standing up. Yeah, this. Yeah. So yeah, you can hit your card, QR code there for registration for that event. Um, I five. What? Can somebody give me a time? A time? Um, it's 2:45. Okay, we got a few more minutes. Awesome. Does anyone in the audience have a question that they want to? Please. Yes, sir. So. I believe polling and paper ballots and hand counting. Mm -hmm. but this election is not going to be that way. So what do we do to override the electronics? May I answer that? Yes. Okay. So hey, this candidate um, on the ballot, November 8th, for those that came in later, as an independent. I'm actually filing a lawsuit next week, so I hope I can actually get that done. So that way we have hand counted ballots. You guys are going to see a big change in the numbers the minutes hand counted. So I'm trying, and once you guys hear about it in the news, one thing that you should do is hammer the news and say, I want to hear more about this. This should happen. You guys should be responding to the social media posts, to the editors, to all of these things and saying, hey, I like this. I want this. The more they see it, the more they talk about it, the more they can't avoid it. Now, I'm pretty sure that the Supreme Court of Ohio is going to say no, but the way it is, it's going to go directly to the Supreme Court of the United States. It's a rocket docket. That's an emergency. So I've been, we've been working on it for a very, very, very long time. So hopefully that happens. Okay. And I will make it happen. Okay. Oh, I have anti-counterfeit technology ballots that I'm introducing. I didn't even say that. But oh, okay. I'm going to ask that question. I'm going to ask that question. Go ahead. What, what you're going to have to do is make your presence known. I'll be at the Cotton County Board of Election Board meeting Wednesday. 
You need to come down there and fuck the common time, get on camera, and get the voice of the people that agree with you. Because the bureaucrats are going to do exactly what they do and ignore you. I've already been in communication with Governor DeWine and some others to get more ballot boxes. But you're going to have to say, listen, my vote counts, so how I give it counts. And you're going to have to get some people that you believe and that, that agree with you and get enough signatures and get enough petitions. Because while we're waiting on her lawsuit to do whatever it's going to do, because she's going to have some opposition from women, going to give her hate. Because there's women who are oppressed. So you're going to have to get people who think like you, get you a team together, and, and just start aggravating them. Make talk them in the midnight hour so they can't sleep. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> but yeah, you have to like start showing up and start uh, making your voice heard and known. Everybody doesn't do electronics. Right. I have two friends that have flip phones that refuse to use the internet. That are preachers. Everybody doesn't do everything. That's right. Make your voice known. Ballots don't get counted. So. And I know ballots that are not being counted because of the mail service. Mm -hmm. I know ballots that are not being counted because people are homeless and displaced. Mm -hmm. I know ballots who are not being counted because people are mentally ill. <laughs> I know ballots who are not being counted because people are wherever they are. So no, they're all counted. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of fake ones too because they're printed off of a PDF. I know that for a fact. Which is even weirder. I can go to a gas station and check my $20 bill, but I can't check my ballot. Is valid or not? Is all I need is a printer. That's crazy. Okay, so I got a couple more questions for the candidates real quick. Okay, so why did you switch from being a, I'll, I'll, I'll ask each one of you, because I don't know, or you are, or you are a Democrat, or you are a Democrat uh, candidate, so I guess this really wouldn't suffice for you. But why would... Um, why did you switch from a being a Democrat or a Republican to an independent? Well, I can answer that. For me, um, I was sabotaged, as I explained earlier. Um, being a Democrat exposed me to things that I had no idea. I was one of those loyal Democrats that I would vote Democrat up and down the ballot didn't even know who the candidates were. But if they were a Democrat, I would vote for them. <laughs> Here I am, my, uh, this, uh, my run for election, so many candidates that I've worked for, um, put locked doors for, served on their, um, uh, uh, served in their events, and just, you know, different things helping them. And they all turned their back on me. Some of them stabbed me in my back. Um, send moles into my campaign, just so many different things. And I'm not even totally talking about, you know, the white Democrats, I'm talking about the black ones. So it just gave me a different perspective um, that, you know, just because you're a Democrat doesn't mean you're good. Now, I'm not saying I'm anti-Democrat, but not all Democrats, and not all Democrats are bad. But not all Democrats are good either. That's why it's important to know the candidate and who you're voting for. Um, so, and I will say one other thing in changing from a Democrat to an independent, I've learned that not, and this blew me away, and it might blow some of you guys away too, but I learned that not all Republicans are racist. Mm 
who believe in ending qualified immunity. There are quite a few Republicans who believe in ending mass incarceration. There are quite a few Republicans who uh, believe in ending the death penalty. Blew me away. So it was kind of a, a, a blessing in disguise, so to speak. So for me, that's why I, I think I will stay in independent from here on out. Okay. So it, it's very similar story. You know, I, we got no support from the Republican Party um, during the primaries. I saw you know the Republican establishment going out of their way to to sabotage some of the campaigns that we worked on. And uh, whenever I had a chance to run, I said, you know, I'm not going to reward that behavior by by running as a Republican. So I registered as an independent. But same thing. I mean, I've been a registered Republican my whole life. Um, I voted Republican primaries. Uh, and if you look at my platform, you'll find that it's very right-leaning. But again, you know, I'm not going to support a party that turns their back on on citizen candidates. There you go. Okay. I vote for the person, not the party. I don't. I don't do this whole tribal stuff, right? Because that's what they want us to do: fit in one box. That's it. And it's like that's not what America's about. It's about diversity. It's about being a million shades of colors, a million shades of voices. And you know, you just find the sweet spot where we all just have a conversation, even though we're fighting. Those are the best conversations, though, right? Right. When they're heated and they're good. So, are you are you afraid that by running in the election that you're going to take some much needed votes? Okay, for me. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So you know, they always say that you know where you vote right or left or whatever, and then you you go in the middle. Therefore, you're taking some votes from the right or the left. So then they say, hey, you might not have enough votes. As an independent, to actually win that election, so why don't you just say no and just go and well, to one I side. am the first one there on the statewide race, right? Yeah. Well, let's let's change that. That's right. Let's show people that that changes. I seventy-five percent of Ohioans are unaffiliated or independent. I am the majority. Right. So yeah. why not step out of that box? Why are we like, oh, I'm going to be worried? What are you worried about? Right. If you don't vote for me, you're still going to get crap, whichever color you pick, red or blue. So why not go with the one that you know you haven't tried? There you go. That's the way it is. That's why. That's why. That's why. God gave me vision for the multi-partisan party. There's good in all of them. Mm -hmm. The multi-partisan party has the good of the Democrat, the good of the Republican, the good of the uh, independent, the good of the liberal, the good of the Green Party. You talk about because we got to build three minutes. Okay. And whatever works that we can pull together on, that's the multi-partisan party. That's what Jesus did. Everybody who hung out with Jesus was from a different culture and background. To build the people. That's right. I don't want us fighting for one another, y'all. That's right. I want us to come together yeah. and, and, and do what we got to do. And that's not far out with the people. As, as a child, before God gave me this vision, I was a registered Democrat. But Donna Corner, my one of my good friends, was running for uh, uh, Ninth District Court of Appeals in Southern County. She's a Republican. And we're tight. We're best, we're best buddies. We have common views. Yes. And that's why I came with the God gave me the multi-partisan mm -hmm. partners. Yes. Just two seconds on that, because I get that all the time. You know, right. You're running as a, an independent, you're going to split the vote, and we're going to end up giving the, the state to Nan Whaley. And I, so I, I don't subscribe to that, and I'll tell you why. In a normal race, 
that probably has some credence, but we're not in a normal race. Right. Um, right now, we first off, we've never had two historically bad candidates that we right. have right now. And that's, that's right. And, and the other thing is, if you saw the Emerson poll that came out two weeks ago, there's 18% of the population in Ohio right now that is either not going to vote for either governor candidate or is still undecided. And I'm telling you, if you're undecided on October, what is today? Eighth. Eighth. You're either you're waiting for a better option, right? You know what you're going to get with Mike DeWine. You know what you're going to get with Nate Whaley. So I think that those 18% of the people are looking for a better option. We have a very unique opportunity here where, you know, if we answer the polls and we show up on election day, we will have so much momentum going into that final week that it will be those hold your nose and vote for the lesser two evils folks that will give us another four years of Mike DeWine. Because if we have that momentum going in, all we need are that 5% that is so afraid of, of doing something outside of the box. Once they jump over, we're going to win going away. So, so I, I think there's absolutely a path. I'm not concerned about splitting the vote. Mike DeWine has 50%. Dan Whaley has 33%. So we, and Dan is out of money and out of time. So it's okay, real quick. One other thing. How will you know how, tell the people how you can write, your, write, write in a, a candidate. Yeah, so, so you nailed it. Um, there's two ways. You can either request a paper ballot and literally write it in, or on the on the screen, there will be an open box for write-in candidates. You push that, a little while, uh, a screen will pop up. It allows you to type it in, and then you just type it in as, as you as you would. And when you type it in, if you don't know or if you're confused, ask for a list. They all will have a list of write-in candidates for every category. Type the candidate. Yes. Yeah. My name is LaShawn Tinsley. So you guys can see my shirt. Um, my name is spelled L-A-S-H-O-N-D-R-A. Last name is Tinsley, T-I-N-S-L-E-Y. And another thing, you can take your phones in there with you. So if you want to go vote and you can't remember who it is, you want to feel like bothering the elections worker, pull out your phone. You can pull out your phone and you can use that while you're casting your vote. So remember, it's a list. Ask for that list. All right, I'm going to just ask for it. There you go. I'm going to let my associate, Ms. Michelle Bell from Impact, have the last few Words, yes. I love something I'll drop off. I just want to say in these writing candidates because I'm really for that. Yes. If you have a paper ballot, you have to be sure and fill in the little bubble. Okay. If you don't fill in the bubble, it won't read your vote. Right. Well, the Secretary of State, I'll change that. Yeah. I and you can go to Hutchinson from Ohio, and there are instructions on my website on how to write in. Yeah, we shouldn't okay. even have primaries. You know. All right. Um, this has been awesome, everybody. As um, Cheryl mentioned, I am Michelle Bell. I am the CEO and founder of Impact Cleveland, but also co-founder of Together We Rise. And we are a coalition of activists, individuals, and organizations. And we are looking to bring forms like this to the people. And that's what we're here to do today. This is We did it for the mayoral race in Cleveland. And we're doing it again this this go round because we find that people don't know and they need the information. We need the knowledge. We need to know what who's on the ballot, why they're on the ballot, what they stand for. And I learned a lot today. So I want to thank you individually and collectively for your time coming. We hope we see you on the 29th. The other thing I want to say, please, if you want to come on the 29th, register. Make sure, sure someone has uh, contact information, whether it's uh, email or uh, cell phone, and we can send you the information as well. But you can just use the QR code, scan it in, register for this event. 
If these individuals are participating, I know we have others who have already confirmed for this next event as well, but I appreciate, I'm sorry you had car trouble, but thank you for being, you know, staying with it and coming on to be with us this afternoon. This has just been amazing. Um, I don't have anything else to say, but much thanks. Big hug and kisses to all of you for taking time out of your afternoon to be here, because you could have been anywhere else today, but you chose to be here, and hopefully something was said that touched your heart or get you on a path to say, this is what I need to do, or to dig deeper, because I think all of you support that. If you don't believe you don't want to vote for any of these people, dig deeper. Find the information that you need that's going to answer your questions, whether it be about what we've already heard or something different. I know key for me is what are we doing about the gun violence, that is real key for me. We didn't get to my question, um, but so I'm looking for that. When I look at candidates, what are they going to do for, with gun violence? Right. What are they going to do with the last one minute, and you guys say something about that right fast. Yeah, for sure. The, the last one minute, let's go. Go. Okay. I believe in. I do believe in the right to bear arms. However, running around with AK-47s as a a, a, a a regular citizen is. To me, it, it just needs to be some kind of form. Um, I think that we can do it if we all come together. I am definitely going to shoot for that in the U.S. Senate so that I can make it a, um, a federal law. So I got your back on that for sure. Yeah, I've got a slightly different approach. Um, you know, I, I do believe in, in guns for sporting purposes, and if you want to go out and shoot for recreation, you should be able to do that with regardless of the caliber. Uh, but I will say that if you want someone that's going to be tough on, on gun violence, then we're, we're your guys. Um, you know, with, with that responsibility of being able to bear arms comes the accountability that, that you've got to do it in a, in a right manner. And if you look at everything from you know, school shootings to the shootings that are on, on the street, um, it's, they're illegal guns. We know they're repeat violent offenders. And you know, those, those are the ones that I want to get off the, off the street. You know, I'm, not, I'm not talking about militarizing the police, but I am talking about you know, going out and serving the felony warrants that are out there yes. that are sitting there for months on end, and you know, we've got these repeat violent offenders running around. Thank you. Um, I, 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 oh, yeah, go ahead, Mr. Brewer. No, I, I'm just going to say, just because I, I, I think there are different because because there needs to be sensible gun laws. And because we think there needs to be sensible gun laws does not believe, mean that we live not like, for me, I believe in the second minute. Strong after the second minute. But there needs to be some type of system of gun laws. Okay. Um, yeah, we only have guns to protect ourselves from the government from doing things like they did. I mean, the pandemic that, that they gave us, the lockdowns, was just the beginning. Imagine if you weren't armed. They can now come to your house. They made a law. How do we fix this? Our society is immoral. They don't understand the concept of taking a life because it's become nothing, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And so it's actually highly complex. Education would be key. Training people would be key. But you have to be strong. We can't use red flag laws because then your ex-girlfriend or boyfriend that hates you can mark you on a system. There's got to be bigger conversations yes. uh, because the state of society is why we're in this place. They used to have guns in their lockers in high school 50 years ago. And we didn't have shootouts, right? right? You know, so right, we right. need to have real conversations right. of bringing a nuclear family and having stronger gun laws. When they're broken, they've got to be bigger penalties to pronounce. What am I doing about gun violence right now? I'm making, I'm making alternate solutions. I have a pants full of initiative. 
a covered initiative, anti-profanity initiative, and reading and writing and counting. Okay, that's Mr. Brewer, just in case some of you all don't know, there is another event this evening that Mr. Brewer is going to be with Mr. Ryan, I believe, correct? Just Mr. Ryan, no, 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 no. You know, it's your own people, you know what I'm saying? One thing I wanted to say that I forgot is that I'm going to push that every single person in Ohio gets a free state ID, not voter ID, ID. I live downtown Cleveland at the Terminal Tower. All the people that live on my sidewalk have no ID, therefore they can't get a bank account or get a job. So free ID for everybody, because if you're entitled, forced by your state to show it, you should be able to have it. Um, excuse me, before everybody leave, can you guys please make sure you didn't sign um, um, Tamara's one, uh, and then also Michelle is uh, scanning the back for her. Let me get you the event. Yes, for her event. Yes. We have the room.